Anyone else feel just a little groggy? A little groggy? I just realized, Scott, we don't have a clock because it's in our other stuff, and I don't have my phone. So, uh, let's see. Mama, when it's 11.32, could you just give me like the five-minute warning and say, Aaron, son, you have five minutes left. I want to be respectful. I have, I, honestly, I, have, I don't think there's any way to tell time. You could do a countdown. That would be create suspense. <laughs> That's right. You would know I've gone over. I wouldn't know. Happy New Year. Actually, it feels great to be here, honestly, uh, to begin the year just coming together and receiving from the Lord. I'm thankful to be here. Well, we're jumping into a series. Uh, we're going to do a couple series in the wisdom literature. Uh, we're going to start in in the Proverbs, actually, as we were talking internally, I think Matt and I had a conversation a little while back, um, and I think others were probably included. It, it seemed appropriate for us to kind of jump out of the narrative for a little bit, and the reason being is that the narrative, the storyline at this point in the storyline, is pretty sad. Have you guys got a sense of that? Like, we have this little, like, glimmer of hope in the life of David, which is, you know, doesn't end so great. And then Solomon seems to have it going on, but he doesn't have it going on, and it all collapses, and then it just kind of goes down from, downhill from there. And so we thought, let's, uh, <laughs> let's ignore the sad storyline for a few weeks and talk about some, some practical wisdom. So for this series uh, in the book of Proverbs, what we decided to do is spend our time together focusing on one of the primary themes of Proverbs, and that is the words that come out of your mouth. So Proverbs is a book of wisdom. Uh, it's intended to give you principles for building a life according to, like the video said, uh, according to the design of God and the way that we're made, the way the world has been made. And one of the things that the Proverbs talks about the most is the words that come out of your mouth. Um, I did a little project a couple of years ago, and I went through the Proverbs, and I took all of the mouth Proverbs, or the ones about words, and I organized them into categories. It's a document, I think it's probably four or five pages long, where I lump all of the Proverbs that are like gossip or um, anger or things that you didn't say or things that you should say. Um, and I have that available, and it's been a really valuable study tool for me. If you want to, uh, you can reach out this week. Uh, you can reach out via email or on Facebook or something and say, hey, Aaron, uh, send me your, your Proverbs, your mouth Proverbs list, and I'd be more than happy to get that to you. Words are crazy things, I tell you what. Sounds come out of my mouth. And it has a real effect. Have you ever said something and watched it land on someone and watched a person wilt or crumple under the weight of words that came out of your mouth? Watch it have an effect. <clears throat> I have a few like classic moments in my life of words that really just profoundly affected me. Some of these I've shared before, so you may have heard this. One of my favorites 
was a student review for a class I was teaching up at ABI. <laughs> and the review was anonymous, and the review said, what's with no eyebrows? <laughs> I still know who that was, but if you're here today, I have just reaped such a reward from that for many years. <laughs> What's with no eyebrows? I don't know how that's relevant to the class. Also, I kind of have eyebrows, so. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Another one of my favorites, we did a road trip several years ago from Connecticut, actually. My wife and I took all of our kids and uh, flew down to Connecticut, picked up a vehicle, and then we spent, I think it was uh, 18 days making our way across the country. And we got to Palmer, Alaska, and it was, I think it was 9 o'clock p.m., and we grabbed some dinner, and everyone wanted to just go for it. Let's just get home. And so we hit the road from Palmer at about 10 p.m., and uh, I was driving, and the whole car was asleep. And you know the sign it's one of my favorite mileage signs, the one that says Homer, 20 miles, anchor point five. You know what I'm talking about? You're almost there, right? And I see that sign, and I hear a little voice in the back of the car, Daddy, you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Talia. Your encouragement always means a lot. <clears throat> I want to introduce... Um, this series with, with two passages from Proverbs that basically say the same thing. And um, I want to just kind of develop a theme with this. I'm not going to give you exactly like uh, bullet points, but I want to develop a theme and then offer you some input as to how to sort of act on the truth that we're going to look at. Proverbs 18, uh, verse 20 and 21 from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. The fruit of their mouth, through the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. There's, there's a, and we're going to unpack this a little bit, but... He's using sort of a working analogy, and that is of, of planting, cultivating, and harvesting. And he says, those who recognize this capacity, in other words, when he says those who love it, those who acknowledge and embrace this reality, uh, will eat the fruit of that harvest. This is repeated again in Proverbs twelve fourteen: From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things, as surely as the work of his hands rewards him, as surely as, meaning that the life that you can build through your doing is matched in substance with the life that you build with your saying, with the words that come out of your mouth, the things that you say and don't say. I think there is somewhat of a misconception that some people can carry, and that is that what you do is more important than what you say. And certainly, we acknowledge that there should not be a misalignment between what we do and what we say. But it would be more correct to say that we should love God and love others in word and in deed, always striving to bring the two into alignment. 
that the things that I do and the things that I say match. Colossians 3.17 speaks to this. Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord, giving thanks through him to God the Father. So a couple considerations before we jump in. First of all, consider that the invitation of Proverbs is much greater than just the invitation to avoid saying stupid things. The invitation of Proverbs is much greater than just not saying regrettable things. The picture that we're given in Proverbs is one of planting, cultivating, and then harvesting as a result of the things that we say. The invitation of Proverbs is to consider what future you are currently sowing. We can plant seeds of gossip, but gossip betrays confidence, so avoid a man who talks too much. Seeds of anger, Proverbs 26, 21, as charcoal to embers and as wood to fire, so is a quarrelsome man for kindling strife. Boasting. Proverbs 27, do not boast about tomorrow, for you do not know what a day may bring forth. Let another praise you and not your own mouth, someone else and not your own lips. Boasting is actually sowing into something. I'm, I'm sowing seeds into uh, a false representation of who I am as a person. I'm, I'm trying to create something, right? I'm, I'm creating uh, essentially a fraudulent but public version of who I really am. Lying, Proverbs 21, 6, a fortune made by a lying tongue is a fleeting vapor and a deadly snare. Seeds of flattery. A lying tongue hates those it hurts, and a flattering mouth works ruin. Boasting is creating a false version of who I am. Flattery is creating a false version of who someone else is. But it's with intent, right? There is a harvest that I'm after. <clears throat> so jumping back to our key passage, Proverbs 18, from the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled, and with the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death, and those who love it will eat its fruit. Wisdom is that which enables me to see the whole process 
the, the sort of the lifespan of words. Wisdom enables me to see the whole lifespan and to make careful, intentional decisions about how I will use words to reap a harvest. Now, in the planting phase, you choose what you're going to plant, right? So you decide for yourself, I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be intentional in this relationship to plant seeds with the things that I say because I want to reap a harvest in this relationship. I want them to enjoy that harvest as well. And so I'm going to, be, I'm going to make careful decisions about that. I'm going to take ownership. It's one of the most egregious um, sort of self-deceptions is when we say things that are harmful, we plant seeds of death, and yet we hold others responsible. I'm choosing to own what I'm planting through what I say. That's the planting phase. And then we move into the cultivation phase. And that is that, that after, after I've stepped out and I've, I've approached that with some intentionality, say you have a, an intimate relationship maybe with a spouse or with a child, and you say to yourself, I'm going to be... I'm going to be thoughtful and intentional and careful to plant seeds with the things that I say. And some time goes by and you realize, uh, I'm, not doing this. I'm not doing this as well as I would like. The cultivation stage is when I modify my approach based on the response. You understand that there are some messages, and this would be unique for each of you, but there's some messages we just need to hear over and over again. There are some things that we need to be told again and again. Cultivation is recognizing that I may have planted a seed in saying something like, I love you. Cultivation is a recognition that there is a reoccurring need to supply that nutrient into that relationship over and over again, and I can own the responsibility for that because I want this relationship to bear fruit, right? And then there's the harvesting phase, enjoying the relational outcomes of my intentional efforts. I have sown into these relationships by choosing to invest my words, and now I enjoy the fruit of that. My stomach is filled, as the proverb says, with the fruit of that. <clears throat> now, this is what I want to offer you. Um, I have four, <clears throat> excuse me, one second. I have for a number of years, uh, for myself, uh, used a very simple template to guide my decision-making in the words that come out of my mouth. And you've probably heard some different ones, like only say what is kind, what is true, what is necessary. I don't know, maybe five other things, right? Uh, as kind of, and I, I'm, not, I'm not dissing on that. It's, it's more against myself. I can't remember more than a couple, right? Um, and so there is a, in fact, this is something that I, I will actually take a moment when, I, when I'm hopping into what I know might be a difficult conversation, I will actually take a moment and remind myself of this very simple template. I want to offer it to you as a way of thinking about how I sow with the words of my mouth, how I cultivate so that I can reap a harvest. 
John 1.14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw his glory. Glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John summarizes his experience of the person of Jesus Christ as someone who was full of grace and truth. Let me, let me break this out a little bit. Truth is a commitment to speak that which aligns with and reveals reality. A commitment to speak that which aligns with and reveals reality. There are so many ways that we distort reality through the words that come out of our mouth. Sometimes very intentionally, maybe sometimes less intentionally. My preferred way of distorting reality, and this is a confession to you, I actually have never, um, at least for most of my adult life, my struggle has not been to shut my mouth. My struggle has been to open my mouth. In other words, I can, I can sow seeds of death. I can distort reality through things that I say that are... That are harsh, that are cruel, that are mean, that, are, that cause harm. But that's never really been my primary struggle. My challenge has been to open my mouth to say the things that should be said. To be a person full of grace and truth means that I'm committed to speaking first, to speak that which aligns with and reveals reality. My challenge is less saying what I regret and is more regretting what I didn't say. And I would say that both of us, just in our own, our own fallen nature, probably fall on one side or the other, right? Some of us get ourselves into trouble by, by spouting off at the mouth, and we go, ah, that is not the seed that I wanted to sow. And others, others of us leave a situation and say, I had an opportunity to say what was true, and I didn't take it, and I regret that. It's a commitment to speak that which aligns with and reveals reality. That's the first piece. The second piece is grace, and that is a commitment to bless and empower to speak with grace is to show your commitment to the other person's good, to show that you are for them and that you are on their side. One of the most powerful examples of this is in Matthew 23, 37. I don't have this up on the screen. But it's where Jesus is, is, is basically talking to the city of Jerusalem. And he says, you who have killed the prophets... That's how he addresses him. Think about that. What Jesus is saying is, I have sent person after person after person to you with the good news of my love for you, and you have slaughtered them. That's bad. And then he says, oh, how I've longed to gather you under my wings as a hen gathers its chicks. Isn't that such a profound grace in that statement? 
that here is the Son of God confronting with truth that's very difficult. You guys have not only resisted my love, you have killed the messengers. And I want you to know that in calling you to that truth, this is also true. I'm for you. I want the best for you. I want blessing on your life. And I'm willing to empower you. Truth without grace is a weapon and a brutal one. Grace without truth is a poison and a really sinister one. Truth without grace is just simply saying, here's the line, you crossed it, that's the whole story. You're toast. Grace without truth says, what line? You're fine. In the planting phase, you're acting on this commitment. I'm going to say important and meaningful things to others. I am going to speak truth and speak with grace. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to make that investment intentionally into certain relationships. And actually, if you really want to grow, this would be my suggestion to you, is that you make that commitment in the context of the most difficult relationships you currently have. Because I would suggest that the most difficult relationships that you currently have are also God's greatest invitation to you to grow in his image, in grace and truth. I'm going to say important, meaningful things. I'm going to speak truth. I'm going to speak with grace. In the cultivating phase, you allow wisdom to inform you as to where adjustment is needed. I think I need to add a little more of this, and I think I need to add a little less of this. And the cultivation phase requires a humility to acknowledge my shortcomings and allow the recipient of my words to inform my efforts. You understand? I had this moment. It's happened a couple of times, but I remember the first time it happened in my marriage when I asked Jenny, do you feel loved by me? And you know when the eyes like move up and out towards outer space and you go, oh no. And then she tried to re reassure me that she appreciated my efforts and I was, you know, I was... She could tell that I was really trying to do a good job. Uh, there is a humility to be able to recognize that I want to, I want to sow into this relationship, and my words are a powerful way of doing that, and I want to do that well. There's a humility in the cultivation phase that, that allows that so, sometimes I miss the mark. Sometimes I think it needs a little more of this, or I think they, this person needs a little more of this, and so I offered that, and that wasn't the thing that was needed. All right, let's try a little bit of this over here. If the plant looks a little wilted, the plant should tell me how to adjust. For some of you, it will actually almost immediately usher in transformation into your relationship with your spouse or someone else who's very important in your life. For you to go to them and humbly ask them, say, I want to be very intentional and thoughtful in the things that I say to you to build you up and empower you. 
what would be meaningful to, to you? What, what matters to you when you hear me say it? And then let them tell you how you can make that investment in their life. You know what really matters to me is when you say this. That means a lot to me. That's good to know. I want to say that more. <clears throat> the second verse we looked at, Proverbs twelve fourteen. From the fruit of his lips, a man is filled with good things as surely as the work of his hands reward him. Some of you will find or have found an internal, invisible roadblock to this invitation. The invitation to use words to build the life that God has called you to. And because there's this unexplainable, uh, immaterial roadblock, you find yourself knowing what should be said and, and something seizes in your throat and you can't get the words out. Tendency, I think, is twofold. One is to then just focus on doing and say, well, I'll, I'll, I'll show through my actions enough that I'll, I'll get away with what I haven't said. The other response can be to sort of hyper-focus on trying to will your way past that roadblock. And I would suggest that that might not be as fruitful as you hope. What I would suggest you do is that you go to Jesus and say, I don't know how to do this. I don't know how to say these things. And let him meet you in your weakness. Some of you will find an inability for impulse control, a tendency to do harm with words you regret. And you might succumb to either excusing that. Well, he didn't have eyebrows, so it's not my fault. Or you may also find yourself trying to sort of will or, or focus yourself past that roadblock. And it, I, I want you to know, for some of you here, that is a particular vice in your life, that lack of impulse control out of the things that come out of your mouth, that you will not overcome without a miracle from God. And so what I would suggest to both groups is that you would go to the Lord and meet the Lord acknowledging your weakness and say, I don't know how to do this. Either I don't know how to get the words out or I don't know how to keep the words in. And then look at his example. Two quick stories I want to share with you. How are we doing on time? Five minutes, seven minutes, okay. I'm going to take five. Chris, you guys can go ahead and come on up. <clears throat> Two really quick stories. These, for some of you, these will be very familiar stories. And yet these are stories little vignettes from the scripture that have just been so meaningful to me lately and have just keep coming back to mind in my own relationships. The first one that I, that I find to be so powerful, it's in Luke 23, verse 24. You can read it later. But the Son of God has been betrayed, has been beaten and falsely accused, and condemned unjustly to die. And as he's hanging from the cross, he recognizes that his death is necessary for the forgiveness of sins. And in that moment, rather than saying, God, would you stop them? Because what they're doing is evil. 
His prayer is, God, would you forgive them because they don't know what they're doing? I have a very difficult time even getting into the mental space that fully. As I'm forfeiting my life, resulting from a grave injustice, to have a mind that is focused on the benefit of the betrayer, the accuser, the murderer. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. That is, that is truth and grace. It's true because there's no way they could possibly comprehend the gravity of the evil that they were participating in. And yet, in his prayer to the Father, he says, but I want what's good for them. That's what I want. That is the thing in the midst of my own pain that is overwhelming my heart is desire for their benefit. The other one, again, some of you will be very familiar, is the story of John, or Jesus in John 21 meeting Peter on the beach. Peter lied. Jesus heard him lie. And it wasn't just a small lie. After three and a half years of investing into this young man's life, in that critical moment, Peter said, I don't know that guy. I've never been associated with him. Ugh. Talk about regrettable things coming out of your mouth. The scene is Jesus comes to the beach and then they, he says, cast your nets on the other side. There's like this whole replay of their first encounter. They do, says there was 150 some fish. Peter, Peter pulls it to shore all by himself. Peter's got a lot to prove, right? Peter is, knows he blew it with words. Maybe I can do enough to make up If you love me, feed my sheep. Peter, if you, if, you, if you still are committed to this relationship, I still have a place for you. Oh God, you know all things. No, I know, of course I know all things. Do you love me? You do. There's still a place for you. The invitation is for you. Truth and grace. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they are satisfied. The tongue has the power of life and death. And those who love it will eat its fruit. God, I thank you for the example of your son. I thank you for the example of grace and truth. We want to align ourselves with wisdom that is from you. We want to be a source of life. God, I would just ask for those whose, whose hearts are, are particularly convicted right now in response to this, that you would meet with them, that you would be, 
that you would show yourself to them now, to each and every one as grace and truth. Give him courage to step into that calling with greater intentionality, with greater purpose. We thank you for the words that we have from you about us, your love for us, your kindness towards us. We thank you for your grace. A grace that has rescued us from our own enslavement. As we come before you now, give us the capacity to hear from you, to enjoy your presence, enjoy celebrating you together. We pray this in Jesus' name. When we put this series together, I didn't fully realize the gauntlet that we were going to lay down for us today. You know, first day of the year, let's just go ahead and get after it. What are you doing with your words? What's happening in your heart? Grace and truth, without the Spirit of God actively guiding you, this weapon in your mouth will not be for his glory. So let's make that our dedication for this year to put our tongue in his hands for his glory. Uh, youth group starts this week. We, st we kick off our normal things uh, this week. Um, Men's Chapel will be next Sunday. May God bless you and keep you in this new year. Praise him. See you next week.